This is DVM Loading, a podcast about the life of professional students from a veterinary perspective. With your hosts, Carling Hemstreet and Caitlin Marr, we go through the daily life of being in veterinary school with a fun twist. Let's get loading! Hey listeners, welcome back to another week of DVM Loading. And um, with Caitlin and Carling as usual. We're so excited. (laughs) Um, So this is kind of our last episode this summer where we'll be together and um, Carling and I were just sitting here talking about it, and it's going to be weird not recording with I each know. other for I, a couple weeks. Um, but in really. August, you can expect us to come back together. Um, we have a bunch of fun stuff planned for this summer and um, some one-on-one interviews, and so that'll be really exciting, kind of a different perspective than what we've had so far. Um, today, we're going to talk about imposter syndrome. Again, go figure. Uh, it's such a big topic. And so I felt that two episodes, we felt that two episodes was um, enough to talk about it. Especially going into the summer with like externships and stuff, I feel like um, imposter syndrome is something that kind of comes back up just because we're going into do into new things and we're going to be learning new things with different people doing things differently so it's there's a lot of opportunity to to feel like you don't belong and that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing and so um just a different kind of imposter syndrome in terms of like getting out into clinic instead of um school like what we talked about um with our last imposter syndrome episode yeah um and so carling how has your summer been so far Oh, well, so I got married, so uh, <laughs> yay. that is, yay, finally happened. It I'm was so much fun. So I know, oh my gosh, we had too much fun, um, but um, we, so that was obviously a really big thing. I'm super excited that, um, you know, Matt and I are actually married now. And, Mrs. Graves. Uh, yeah, Dr. Graves. Uh, and then, um, you know, I've been working with Clint, uh, which is really interesting because it's a different like bovine medicine is so different from what I'm used to that like I'm learning a ton and I'm having so much fun doing it which is cool because it's like I never thought that I would be like happy to work on cows you know it was not something that I ever pictured myself doing but I'm glad that I like pushed myself into doing something different yeah, no, it's it's been cool to hear about your research project, and I'm excited to see the final project um, complete in August, right? Yeah, I'm excited to see what the results are and then uh, make my presentation in Puerto Rico at the symposium and with my poster and all of that. So mm-hmm. uh, really excited to see where, where that research takes us. Yeah, and this summer so far, I've just been kind of taking it easy, which has been nice. Um, at the same time, I'm just like stir crazy. <laughs> Resting yeah. is not an easy thing for you to it's do. It's <laughs> not. I want to go do things, and um, but I've been out to Monahan's for a couple weeks now, um, where I'll be, where I've been interning for most of June, and I've learned a bunch, got to meet a lot of people, and really see what the rural community looks like. So that's that's something that I'm very thankful for and excited. And here in a couple of weeks, I'll be um, going to a new externship, and that's also going to be very exciting. So just uh, kind of staying busy uh, like I like to be and catching up on Netflix and reading some good books. Yeah, yeah, so. doing something different, learning new skills. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm so – it's so awesome to really see your, your skills out in clinics and the communication you have between clients. So mm-hmm. – 
Um, that's something that I've had a fun time with. Not going to lie. It's been nerve-wracking in the beginning, um, but I, you get well, through I mean, it. You're trying to find your place with, like, that particular staff, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like, it's always, it's like you get those, like, new school jitters yeah. <laughs> before every, like, new thing that you go and do. Definitely. So. Today, we're going to be asking each other, well, we asked advice as well, what animal best represents you and ourselves since we're just here talking to ourselves <laughs> and you can hear thunder in the back <laughs> yeah, in the background the pick up on it because if you can or can't but we're currently in a severe thunderstorm yeah. people and say it doesn't rain in amarillo but that is incorrect yeah we just get it all at one time yeah we've <laughs> we've been getting a lot of rain lately and um we're in a tornado warning and flash flood warning so um, bear with us if you hear that Recording stuff Recording for the fans. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, we asked some people what they think, uh, what animal they think best represents ourselves, and then we looked into it for each other. So, Carling, can you tell me about your animals? Yeah, so... Caitlin, you said that I was like an otter. Yes. Uh, And then we asked our outside source um, what he thought, and he said that I was a tiger. And so I can actually read off what... So Yeah. So I told her she's an otter because they're very flamboyant and very, um, like, they're group people. They don't like to be alone. She's very social and happy. And so easygoing. I felt that that represented a lot of Carling's personality. Yeah, I could see that. And then our, our outside source said that um, strong and quiet, calm, aware, and patient, which I could agree with. And plus a tiger's pretty dope. Yeah. So. <laughs> you are more patient than I am. So Yeah, that's true. I will we balance that. each other out. It's yeah. Okay. Um, um, for my animals, um, Carling said I was a unicorn. I said you were a unicorn. And I, I stand by this because, you know, unicorns are mythologically known as being like wise and loyal. Um, but people nowadays think that they're like really bubbly and they're like really cheerful. And so I think that you have both of those qualities. And like, I think it's just on the outside, you're very bubbly and cheerful and you want everyone to be included. And then like, when you really sit down and talk to you and get to know you, you are very like wise and loyal and you give really good advice. Oh, thank you. I don't even take my own advice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then our outside source um, <laughs> things that I'm an Australian shepherd, which if y'all know, I have two of them and I can very much identify with both of those. And he said that because <laughs> intelligence, but anxious at times. Yeah. But persistent. Very so true. That. All the, those are true too. They're all factual. And yeah. so we thought it'd be fun to like talk about that because sometimes I've had it come up to where you're in clinics and they ask you something fun like that. Like I've been asked this, like what animal represents you? And you're always caught off guard. You're like, I have no clue. Well, and then you forget every animal that you've ever interacted yeah, with. Yeah, and I'm like, I know a butterfly, <laughs> and there's a lot of kinds of birds, and I could be a dog and a cat, right? Like, so anyways, this was just something fun to go over, but I definitely think that the otter and the, and the tiger can um, symbolize carling, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think the unicorn and the Australian shepherd are... Are good ones for you too. I'm just a good old wiggle butt. <laughs> good old wiggle butt. But yeah. Okay, so imposter syndrome. So we talked about dun dun dun, 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 dun the boogeyman. <laughs> yeah. Round two. 
Um, so we talked about how you are in your internship and how that's been, like, was scary at first. Like, did you feel like you had imposter syndrome? Like, talk to me about summertime imposter syndrome that you've had, Caitlin. Yeah. Well, that's been interesting because aside from even just this summer, but anytime you start a new job or start a new, like, school, like, starting with new classmates and stuff like that, just starting something new in general. You can have imposter syndrome because you're worried if I'm coming into this clinic and this veterinarian's taking a chance on me. He's letting me work with his clients, his patients, his livelihood, and he's paying me for it. And so I kind of need to show him that I am capable of meeting his expectations. And sometimes that can be really hard because we set such high expectations ourselves. And sometimes when those aren't met, um, we forget about all of the good things we've learned and accomplished in those internships. And so, um, and plus, I mean, there's times where clients just don't want to hear from you as a vet student, or even when I was a technician, they want to hear from the practicing doctor that they came to see, which is okay. I understand that. You're always going to run into that. But having to deal with that communication barrier um, and, and relate to them Uh, I can't get better if you don't let me practice or not that you don't let me, but if I don't practice and and if I don't continue to challenge myself, like I'm just not going to get better and I'll never meet your expectations. So, um, yeah, it was nerve wracking going into a new clinic, especially because I'm staying there and it's in a place I've never been uh, by myself. And that, that was definitely a little intimidating, but I wanted to go in with the mindset to learn everything I could and just to be a sponge. And that's been great. And I have to step back and remind myself sometimes it's okay not to be perfect, um, that I'm still learning. And ideally where I'm at in my skill set, I'm leaps and bounds ahead of what I used to be. And I have to just remember that at the end of the day and and have some grace with myself like we've been preaching. Yeah. Well, and I know you were talking about Like, I think you take the seriousness of, you know, taking a job in terms of, like, he's letting you come in and and, uh, work at his clinic, which does affect his livelihood and and all of that. But I I, I don't think any reasonable person would come in and expect you to be an associate veterinarian after your first year, you know? Yeah. Like, you, like, you know, I think they have, like, certain expectations, but, I mean, I think... Overall, I think any decent person that you work for or with, it, like, you don't have to be perfect every day, but, like, as long as you're willing to learn, mm-hmm. like, that's all that anyone can ask for, you yeah. know? And, I mean, it's like when we went out with um, Clint uh, a couple of weeks ago, Caitlin, when we were putting in those um, jugular catheters for, in those calves, mm-hmm. and, um, like, that vet was so... Patient. patient with us and because he doesn't expect us to be able to just put him in in two his seconds. voice never raised he was very calm cool collected with us and yeah. and gave us advice and let us sit there and try for as long as we could until we got it mm-hmm. yeah and so I think he had had the expectation for us that you know we were going to be doing it uh you know as students and I mean that was the first time that we had done that mm-hmm. so like, it wasn't like he expected us to be perfect on the first time. And so I think that's what the doctor that you're working with, you know, has uh, has came in with those expectations for you as well. And so as long yeah. as, you know, you're receptive to what they're saying, I think, like, having that 
mindset is what's important. But I think, you know, when you go in and you try something and you do, this is my thing with imposter syndrome is if I, I try something new and then I'm really bad at it the first time where I feel like I didn't get my first like juggler catheter that I actually I didn't get the first two <laughs> and so that was really hard for me and I was kind of feeling like down on myself but I mean like catheters are you know you I'm, we're gonna be doing them 20 years from now and we're still gonna have days like that you yeah. know so it's one of those things where it's just like you have to keep it in perspective and understand that it's not always going to, like, you can't listen to that voice in your head that Mm -hmm. says you can't do something. Like, you just have to either keep on practicing it or, like, do it again. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's not going to go perfectly every time. And I can resonate with that because I like to have my standards for myself set really high, sometimes unattainably high. And wanting to be perfect at something initially is a thing I struggle with. And so having to step back and acknowledge that, because, yeah, like, I luckily got the first two catheters we put in. And then that third one, as soon as more people were watching, I couldn't get it. And then the fourth one, I have to finish on a win, and, and I did. And so that was really good. Um, but going back to talking about, like, the summer externship, um, yeah, Dr. Swarb has had very clear expectations. Like, he wants this to be a, as much of a learning experience and opportunity for me. And he wants to serve himself, like, as a tool for me to learn from. And and I can just ask him all types of questions, and he'll give his advice and, and input. Now, if there's ever cases where I don't know something, what he simply does is he has me research it. And that's another really cool thing about evidence-based veterinary medicine is it's such a, an important aspect of being a doctor and having to go home like after the day and rounding with him after I, like rounding with him the next day after I've done my research has been great because it's taught me um, like persistence first off to go through and have to research through a lot of articles and things like that and find the bits that are important and um, compile that into a report and just have conversation about that. That's really important and it's helped me with cases that we've had later down the road where it's been something similar. Then I feel more comfortable um, talking about that disease or treatments, medication, etc. So I think that's very nice and something people should look forward to from their mentors during summer externships just because um, Yeah, it's intimidating. You know, they ask you the first thing. They ask you something about Cushing's, for example, and you're like, man, I remember Chelicani teaching me this, and I remember remember studying for this, but it's been a couple weeks, and I've forgotten exactly, like, what they're looking for. And you reference your notes. It takes five minutes to reference your notes, and then you're good to go. And that's what I like. I like that they're very open for dialogue and we can round on things and I can ask him all the crazy questions I have. And like, if I watch him doing a surgery or something or treat a patient and he's doing something differently than I've seen before, I'm inquisitive and ask like, why are you doing that? What's your methodology? Like, can you, can you walk me through what's going through your mind right now? So yeah, well, that I can be intimidating, too, to ask yeah, the doctors, you like, know, all like those. you don't want them to know what you don't know, <laughs> yeah. right? But, like, you know, I mean, like, you have to just remember we're vet students. Like, we don't, we haven't seen yeah. as many cases as they've seen. And it's it's something that, you know, with 
um, Dr. Ruth, like my um, advisor with research, I mean, it was like I had no idea what like we were, he was talking about when we first started talking about what I was going to do for my research with like mycotoxins and aflatoxins. I couldn't even spell aflatoxins. <laughs> When I he still first don't told know me. how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was telling me about it, and I was like, okay. He was like, go do some research and, and get back to me on what you think. And I was like, okay, can you spell that for mm-hmm. me, please? <laughs> um, you know, but, like, you know, I had to spell it to research it. So. Yeah. Um, but... It's just being, like, a human and being transparent. That's, like, the most important step. But I think it's really cool that instead of just telling you the answer, like, Dr. Swarb had you research it. Because that is something that you're going to have to do, like, in real life, you Mm -hmm. know, in clinic, whenever you're... uh, Once we're graduated, like, if you see something and you're like, well, I don't know about that, I'm going to have to do some research, like you know, like you have to know how to do that. And also you have to be able to tell that to your client, you know, mm-hmm. clients don't mind if you say it, like I've, or I've been told by vets that if you, um, say like, I don't know, let me do some research and I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Like they're perfectly okay with that answer. And, um, and then you can go and do your research and, and figure it out from there. So it's not only teaching you to have that mindset as like, I don't know this, let me look it up, but it also gives you the tools to be able to look it up. Yeah. And I've worked in a clinic in the in the past as a technician to where the doctor who's been practicing for 40 plus years and is, is really good at what he does, he still has to research some things. And when he does do that, he prints out the literature, scans it, and sends a copy home with the client so they can read over it too and see what, what led to the diagnosis or treatment plan for their pet. And so I think... I think that's important. And just having kind of the the courage to go up and talk to the clinician because, I mean, they brought you on for a reason. Um, they are spending time, money, resources on investing in your education and your confidence. And so might as well use your resources and just ask them all the questions, even if okay, in my opinion, I'm sure in other people's this isn't a thing, but there's no dumb question. Like, there's not because we all learn and start from zero. So just accepting that it's okay to be naive and not know something is it's, it's okay. It's scary, but it won't be scary for long. And then when you're a doctor in the future and you bring on externs, you can be that source of like confidence in like a steady, steady place for them to express like their, I don't know, lack of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I think having that reassuring, like, mentorship is also really supportive because, like, they're never going to make you feel stupid for when you ask a question. Mm -hmm. And so I think finding the right person is also really important. I think that's why it's, I think, you know, you going and asking Bethany and her recommending Dr. Mm -hmm. Swarb was, like, a really big thing for you. It was not like you just went and found a clinic off the street or anything like that, you know. It was um, someone who was recommended to you because of who they are and, like, what And who I am and how we align. Yeah, so that was awesome. So Tell me a little bit about your experience, Carling. So, I mean, like I said, and like I've been saying, I have had literally zero bovine experience before um, coming into vet school. Like, when we, uh, the first, like, bovine, like, physical exam lab that we had, that was, like, one of the first times I had ever, like, really touched a cow. Like, really touched a cow. Um, Wait, do you remember when we were herding the cows and I brought you and Sydney with me? Yeah. And that's when I hadn't really known y'all for very no. long. And I was like, these these two people, they should be okay. 
Well, it's funny because, like, I mean, I could move cows. Yeah. Like, they move like horses. So, like, yeah. I was fine with that. It was funny. But it was, like, getting up and, clo- like, doing any sort of medical thing mm-hmm. with a cow. I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Like, I don't, like putting on a bovine halter. Mm. Had no idea. Like, they handed me, like, a piece of, like... Um, rope with like a balled up thing on the end, and, and I was like, "This is a halter, yeah. really?" Because like, <laughs> horse halters don't. Well, look let me like just that. tie it around its neck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like I had, I mean, I had no idea. So going into this this um, research that I've been doing, I was really nervous to, um, to you know, either handle a cow incorrectly and have you know myself be hurt or someone else be hurt or the cow to be hurt. Um, and, you know, or doing something wrong and, you know, messing up the research or, um, I mean, having like Dr. Ruth think that I'm just a, like a silly old, like little girl that like doesn't have anything to do with like bovine medicine, you know, but like I have asked all the questions. I feel like I've learned a ton and I still am only like, we're only a couple weeks into the summer and I still have like several weeks to go. And I mean, I just think that my skills and my um, knowledge of like bovine medicine has got, improved drastically just because like I'm, I've finally been exposed to it. And, you know, I was going back and forth because I originally didn't even want to do this research mm-hmm. um, program. <laughs> I was actually forced into it by Sydney and she um, she really pushed me to do it. And I'm so glad that I did because I think that this kind of um, like, especially being with Dr. Roof, like it's been a really good experience cause he just kind of like lets me go at my own pace and everyone that we've interacted with has been so patient with me trying to, um, do my different blood draws, putting in those IV catheters, like doing all of that. They've been really patient with me and my skills. And I think that, um, those people have been like fundamental in me gaining confidence in my skills. But it was scary. I mean, like, the first time that I did it, like, I felt like I was doing it wrong. I mean, do you know how thick a cow, a calf's skin is? Like, mm, it feels very. like I'm going straight into their neck. <laughs> <laughs> very thick. But, um, you know, like I, like, I think I've built my confidence a lot. And so I just, I just had to keep on telling myself, like, don't get down on yourself. Like, you do belong, like, doing this kind of medicine. Yeah, girl, I was there you hyping know. you up the whole way. I, I was needed like, the hype up. It. I needed the <laughs> hype up. Because, like, I mean, it is, like, you know, it doesn't go right the first time. And, mm-hmm. and then you're like, well, dang, like, I maybe I'm not that good at what, like, this kind of medicine. Or, like, maybe I should just go back to putting my, like, little cephalic my cephalic catheters and some dogs and like, give me that. I'll do it all day long. But I've done hundreds of those Mm -hmm. versus like, you know, the first time I put in a a jugular catheter in a calf, like, I mean, I've never done that before. Obviously it's not going to be go as smoothly as something that I've done a hundred times. It was just crazy to me to see how big their jugular filled. Oh yeah. Like that thing was huge. It was huge. It was like a, and then it's like, how am I missing this? The water hose. It's that own internal. <laughs> you see it? Yeah. You see and it? And I'm like, I'm literally touching it and I have the margins, like this thing's two inches wide. That like <laughs> diameter it has to be. It doesn't make be. any sense. And then you poke and you're like, mm, where's the blood? Yeah. And each calf is different too. Mm-hmm. So anatomical structures differ. But yeah. Well, Carling, all it takes is one, really one influential veterinarian Mm -hmm. or someone in the field to believe in you Mm -hmm. and to like push you out of your comfort zone because that's that's what growth is about and and that's how you can kind of push your imposter syndrome to the side Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, it just takes someone like uh, Dr. Roof has been very patient and calm and encouraging in your research and things like that. And and you express to him your your mm, like you're not super familiar in the bovine industry. And I think that's a very brave thing you did because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't want to admit what they're not good at necessarily. But here's the thing, like the work you've put in and the confidence you've gained is only going to make you a better practitioner in the end. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's that's what I wanted is I wanted to be like a well-rounded practitioner. And I mean, I didn't know what I didn't know. So, you know, if I came into this research working with cows and I was like, ah, I really don't like working with cows, like maybe I I, I just won't like do that aspect of veterinary medicine like that's fine too I learned that you know but like I am really enjoying it so now it's something that I can really start thinking about what like classes I want to take where I want to enter next semester or next summer um and like what I'm interested in you know and so it's been a really cool experience and I think you know it's (laughs) I'll never forget when a cow first kicked at me um because I mean I've never I like I knew that they When was it? it? At, like, Guyman? It was out in Guyman, yeah. yeah, when we went to that dairy, and, um, There's some sassy ones. There were some sassy ones that were like, please don't palpate me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes, ma'am, I will walk right on by. I really don't want to get kicked today. Um, and, you know, I've been, like, kicked at by horses, but I, I don't know why. It was more insulting when a cow did it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I don't know. A horse kick does not feel good. No, it doesn't, Mm-mm. but, um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like when I counted it, I was like, man, I feel like it was more targeted than a horse. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because they don't typically kill. Yeah, that's true. Or that's especially true. like dairy mm-hmm. at first, you know. So it was just wild. I mean, it's been a really, really cool experience. Um, I've got to do some really cool things. So it's just one of those those summers where it's like you're constantly doing new things. So you're constantly having imposter syndrome. Yeah. And it's, I mean, here's the thing. It's never going to go away. Like it, it's going to come back. You know, when we, like, start the next semester, like, in school, um, when we graduate, and we're like, okay, well, I have a DVM, and I'm licensed, and so I'm supposed to know enough to go out and practice, but, like, am I going to be the best practitioner when I graduate? Mm-hmm. No, like, before this um, this episode, when we, uh, we were talking, Caitlin, you were like, I want to be one of the best equine veterinarians in like the state of Texas, which is a fantastic goal. And I think you can achieve it. It's just not going to happen right when you come out of vet school. Yeah. You know, it's going to take like 10, 15, 20 years for you to achieve that. But that's because you have to have the experience, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you coming out of school and, you know, you make some mistakes. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, that's something that we'll all have to deal with um, in the future and for the rest of our lives. Like, you're always strive to like do better, be better, continue to grow and learn and stuff like that. Uh, I would like for things to happen fast, but I know that they won't. And so having a moment to step back and realize that I'm okay where I'm at right now, I'm excelling, I'm doing good. Why am I being so hard on myself? Because uh, you end up being your own worst critic at the end of the day. Well, and you're, you're a perfectionist too. So you are the kind of person where if it doesn't go right the first time, you're going to practice it a bajillion times until it, it, it does go right. For sure. Which is, I mean, it means you're persistent for sure. It's just, I think you sometimes struggle with wanting to get it right the first time and that's not always going to happen. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, like, for example, when I was teching, I would do some new skills and I would get it the first couple of times and I would feel really good. Like 
I was on top of a mountain. Like, I felt so good about my skills, about myself. And then you hit a slump where you can't, you can't draw blood on anything to save your life. And you're like, how can I not? Just like the catheters the other day, that jugular is staring at me. Why can I not get it? And yeah, I can be really hard and critical on myself in those points. And it's just like, I remember there was times where I would be like, no, just give that patient to somebody else. Or I would have to ask somebody to come draw blood or place catheters or something on my patients. Cause I'm like, I just can't, like, it's not working. And and I have a rule, like, if I don't get it to in, in the second try, I'm done. I move on and let someone else try, um, unless I'm by myself, of course. But, yeah, I am a perfectionist, and I do like to practice things a lot because practice, practice makes better. Like, you're never going to be perfect. You can't say perfect. Um, and I need to practice my patience for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... I mean, you'll get there. It's just one of those things that you just have to be aware of, you know. I just have to remember in the back of my head, and I'm sure a lot of y'all can, that you're your own biggest enemy, Mm -hmm. in a sense. Like, the only person stopping you at the end of the day from achieving the goals that you have set out for yourself is yourself. Yeah. And especially if these are goals that you've just internalized and haven't shared with anybody, nobody's going to know, like, what heights and ceilings you want to break through except for yourself. So when you're not reaching it, it's because you've put roadblocks down and you can't attain that. And you need to just break those down, break imposter syndrome down as often as you can and continue to make progress. And progress is not linear. Mm-hmm. I need to remember that. And mm-hmm. I think we all do. Yeah, and I think so that's a really good point. There will be times where you don't you don't hit something. Like the other day, when a couple weeks ago, when we were placing those catheters, um, one of the doctors who's a very decorated, um, important man in research and things like that, he told me, he said, I've been practicing 30-plus years, and he goes, I still miss them. And well, remember the first yeah. one who was showing us how to do it, and, yeah. like, we struggled. And he struggled to put it in, and yeah. he actually had Dr. Roof put it mm-hmm. in. And, you know, it was... <laughs> he was so cool, calm, collected yeah. about it. He was like, it ain't nothing but a thing. Yeah. Like, you're going to miss him, and that's just being human, yeah. um, being imperfect. That's that's the reality of dealing with animals, and so... Well, and there's yeah. a, I remember he said, like, there's a reason it's called the practice of medicine. Yeah. It's not, you know, like... The perfection, the perfection of medicine. Of medicine. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's it's going to have its ups and downs. Not everything's going to go perfectly. Not every animal is going to react the same to a drug or you know, like I mean, you're, yeah, it's a, not cookie cutter. It's not cookie cutter, which mm-hmm. is what I love about it. Yes, because you have to problem solve all the time. I agree. But then again, when you can't solve a problem, you're <laughs> like, well, maybe I'm just dumb. Well, and that's when like you've built up a network to outsource mm-hmm. and shoot a colleague an email and be like, hey, I have this case, here's my signalment, my workup, and previous history, like, what's your two cents on it? And you just be very transparent with that, because I would hope that my friends and colleagues would do the same and would contact me if they needed help or, and vice versa. So I think with imposter syndrome, like, going into summer and jobs in general, new jobs as a baby vet student it's intimidating you're 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 gonna hurt yourself the most if you just don't relax and believe in yourself believe the skills believe in the skills that you've learned and been taught um, believe in the program and just go kick butt yeah. <laughs> I mean I, th- I would say the 
the number one, or I guess the advice that I would give to our listeners is like, don't be afraid to ask for help and kind of know what your weaknesses are and go and find a mentor or an advisor or, you know, a vet that you can work with that's going to help you with those weaknesses. And don't feel like you're being stupid for saying that, like, I'm not very good at that because they... Because if you say like you're not me, I'm not very good with that, or I'm not confident in it. Like I've never done it before. I'm like I've done it before, but it hasn't gone well. Like they're gonna take more time out of their day to help you, un- like to improve that skill or to improve that knowledge than if you said, "Yeah, I got it," and then you mess it up, mm-hmm. and then you don't own up to that failure. Yeah, and you know? I think like okay to spin off of what you just said. At the same time, like if something hasn't gone right in the in the past and they ask you to perform a task and you're like no don't pick me I can't do it well you're just setting yourself up for losing practice practice that is invaluable and so don't go in with the mindset of oh my gosh I cannot place a cephalic catheter to save my life go with the mindset of I am going to continue to try Um, you have to try in order for somebody to want to invest time and effort into mentoring you and and having you as part of their business you really just have to try at the end of the day that's the only thing that matters and and your morals of course stuff like that but just try don't don't already count yourself out of the game mm-hmm. is, is what I'm getting at that but if you just go in blatantly and you're like oh my god I'm I'm the best at this and then you miss it and I mean, also accept, hey, it's okay, failure happens to people. Like, failure is how you grow. Mm-hmm. Mistakes are normal. It's a human reaction. And so um, just kind of keep that in the back of your head. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think I like what you said about, like, having faith in the program because sometimes it is, like, do I know as much as I think I know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, Well, because you-, you worry. Do other students at other schools know more than me? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I can't answer that. It, you know, and I think everyone is different. And so, and, you know, and every working at different clinics is different. So mm-hmm. it's like you're going to learn different things at different places. So I think it's just getting out of your comfort zone and then having that confidence in yourself to, you know, learn new skills and not let your head get you down. Um, and I know it's, it's really hard. It's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just have to have that persistence. But I mean, if you're already in vet school, you probably are persistent enough. So. Yeah. <laughs> but just never give up on that because persistence is how this industry has thrived for mm-hmm. its entirety. And yeah. so, um, I mean, just look at how many applicants every school gets on um, yearly basis. Like that is persistence mm-hmm. and how many we talked previously about, how many times people have applied to vet school, that's persistence. And, you know, statistically, I feel like, I don't know if it's really a stat, but in my mind, I think it would be. Like, the people who have applied multiple times generally outperform and are just more well-rounded practitioners in the future. I'd be interested to see if there is, like, a statistical difference with that or not. Yeah, I would, too. Not that it's, you know, a golden Not that it matters, but but it's just interesting. It'd be interesting to see. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree. I like that, but we we believe in everyone out there If um, when you go and try new skills, so don't be afraid. Going yeah. Do it. You can do it. <laughs> and it's hard we'll because... We'll be your own hype person. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Surround yourself by people who are your biggest supporters and biggest fans. Like, I can't tell you how important having someone, like, stand behind or next to you saying, you got this. You're you're doing great. You're killing it. 
And that really, those small little words do help build you up and build your confidence up. And I always like when veterinarians thank me or someone thanks me for something or they acknowledge a good job done and stuff like that because as a perfectionist, I want to know, I want to know that what I did met their expectations and was up to their standards because I want to be accepted by them. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's nice to get that, um, like confirmation from someone who's already in the industry to someone who's, you know, learning about like veterinary medicine and like wants that, like wants to do what they're doing, you know? And so I think getting that like validation from them, you know, can also build your confidence, but like that, that, I mean, again, it just goes back to finding the right people to surround yourself with. Yeah. Including like technicians, veterinarians. I know we've talked about veterinarians a lot today, but, um, technicians can also help you out a lot. Like experienced ones that have been working at a clinic for 10, 20, 30 They're years. They're your high people. They'll Ooh, teach you just as they much. They will teach you so much. Oh my goodness. So it's, it's like to an extent, you can almost learn more from them than from a vet. I'd agree. Um, just from a different perspective. I'd agree. So like, I mean, just utilize every single person that is in the hospital that you're working with, because you never know who you're going to learn stuff from. And, and I think it's also important to say that like technicians and like kennel techs and support staff, yeah, barn managers, all of that is just as important as a veterinarian, Mm -hmm. like like, across the board, like you cannot, as a veterinarian, you cannot operate your practice without those people. Yeah. They are just as important. Well, and I think, um, to kind of talk about like the flip side of that stuff is, is going into these clinics and getting experience. If you find that the atmosphere is not engaging and enthusiastic and they just don't support one another and you see that seeing the way people treat their staff and yourself, like as a visiting like student and things like that, it's a really good judgment on how, uh, or you can just... I always say that there's always something to learn from every experience, Mm -hmm. whether you learn the positives or the negatives. So in that instance, if I didn't like the community I was in and it just did not feel like a good environment and I did not want my vet like practice in the future to operate like that, I would take that knowledge and do differently. I would make those adjustments to make sure people weren't doubting themselves because of the environment and like, the attitude I or others in the, in the employment, like they, that they were perceiving. So not every externship is going to be a great one. Um, that's just a fact. And so just keep in mind, like, it's okay to not like something that you see at these clinics and especially like the way that they treat you and talk to you and things like that. I mean, have, have some courage to stand up for yourself and because being surrounded by people who are just saying negative things will only make the negative thoughts already in your head flood you and imposter syndrome will just engulf you and um vet med is is just too fragile at the moment to allow people to treat us like that so um yeah just don't put yourself through any added anxiety or stress when it can be avoided for sure that was kind of off off topic, but I felt like we did get a, get a little off topic. But I think it's important information. Yeah, I and felt like advice. I felt like that was important because, like, if you're already doubting yourself, 
mm-hmm. and struggling with imposter mm-hmm. syndrome and you go into a place that's not the most supportive, mm-hmm. it just doesn't get better. Yeah. And you can try and be the light in a storm, but mm-hmm. if if one person goes in there and tries to change it and it, the, that environment has been like that for a long time, you're not going to change it. It's just going to dull you. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. my yeah. input and on that. Don't let others get you down either. You know, mm-hmm. you... Maybe that means you just need to go and practice that skill, but doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you specifically. Now, constructive criticism is like a whole different ballpark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like sometimes that can mess with and trigger imposter syndrome because you're if you take it the wrong way. Like if you receive that criticism um, differently than it was intended, which that just stems from miscommunication mm-hmm. and, and that's easily fixable. But um Go in with the mind of, yeah, you're not perfect, so allow people to give you advice and tips and tools to get better and realize that that's not them deflecting and, like, making, thinking that you're a bad vet student because that's not their goal at all Mm -hmm. because you have to be taught by somebody. And it's really good to get out of school and not be taught by the same professors for all four years that you see every day. It's nice to be taught by someone else. Because everyone has different learning styles. Well, and everyone's going to have uh, do things differently, too. So mm-hmm. not only are you going to learn... Like, so you're going to learn what they teach you in school, and then you're going to learn different ways to do it. And, like, you know, you may use the, the what you're learning... You, you're going to learn... You're going to use what you learned in school. I got it out. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be all tongue-tied. Um, you're going to use what you learned in school, but if that's not working on a patient, then maybe you can use this this other way that you learned at an externship. And, like, that's okay, too. Like, both ways are equally viable, um, I mean, depending on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, doing something differently or learning a different way could be, like, very beneficial. Yeah. I agree. Plus, learning all of the different ways to perform skills is important because, no two patients are identical and their diseases, presentations, things like that won't be identical. And so one thing that you do may work on multiple patients, but you may have a couple come in that someone else's technique works on. And so, yeah, I mean, just be moldable, I guess, yeah, in yeah. a sense. I mean, I think it's what like what we've been saying where it's just, you know, be willing to learn and... Um, have some confidence have in some yourself. Have some confidence in yourself and don't let, you know, that first failure or any of your failures get you down. You, you are meant to be there. You're meant to be doing it. Uh, like, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and what she said, like, I'm going to say it again, just you're meant to be there. You're meant to be in this profession. And don't let anybody, especially yourself, tell you anything different. Um, that's, that's something that your friends and you – in your little group or whatever can do better by, by telling people that whenever you see that they're down or struggling with something, it, it doesn't take any effort to say those few words. And so just remind each other because imposter syndrome doesn't have a face. Mm -hmm. You never know when someone's struggling with it. And yeah, I mean, moral of the story. (laughs) We'll get off our soapbox now. Yeah. Imposter syndrome's a baddie. It is a baddie. She's terrible. Oh, and she's going to come back around. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure over the next three years, Carly and I will talk about it a little bit more, but uh, we just wanted to share like our feelings on it moving into summertime as in comparison to how it was during the school year mm-hmm. um because so. it is two different kinds of of, of feelings syndrome. yeah yeah like it, it's 
like one from feeling like about your intellectual ability mm -hmm. and then I feel like this summer one that we're talking about now summer just hits on all of it like yeah. am I smart enough do I remember yeah. everything and am I capable enough mm -hmm. to perform these skills yeah. like exactly it's like it's all it's all the big it. brother yeah <laughs> so um Carling what's your win for the week so I'm finally tan because I got back from Barbados <laughs> from my honeymoon. Yes. Thank God. So it was really nice. Me and Matt got to sit on the beach um, and hang out. It's our first, like, true vacation that we've actually taken together. Really? Yeah, we've only ever done, like, weekends. Because, I mean, we've just been working, like, since we've been dating. Like, we yeah. were in school when we met, uh, and then we just started working. And we didn't, didn't really take, like, a big vacation or anything. It was typically just a long weekend. Yeah. And so um, this was our first, like, true vacation. What made y'all pick Barbados? Um, we wanted to go to a beach. And then we w definitely wanted to have something that was all-inclusive just mm -hmm. because we didn't want to have to plan anything. So um, were there kids at this place? No, this was an adult-only oh, resort. Oh, good. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So we um, – and so – we were looking at, like, you know, the islands, and then Matt was like, let's go to Barbados. And I was like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, awesome. yeah, it was it was really fun, really beautiful, had some great food. Um, and so it was it was fantastic. So Your first couple days as Mrs. Graves, that's what better way to I spend know, it than on a beach somewhere. <laughs> I know, right? No better way. <laughs> With a pina colada. <laughs> that's my kind of drink, beach Kate, drink. what's your win? Uh, my win for the week is just kind of vague. Like, I've just been staying busy working, uh, making some money finally, which is really good. And uh, continue to get hands-on experience every day and just learn more about myself in this profession. And I got to go to Carling and Matt's wedding, and it mm -hmm. was a great time. Fabulous. And here in a couple of weeks, um, I'm a maid of honor in one of my best friend's weddings. And so that'll be a big celebration. And Lots of lots of weddings this summer. Yeah, busy summer. <laughs> yes. I mean, we're getting to that age where there's a lot of weddings. Yeah, in my suitcase, it's scrubs and jeans, and then the other one, it's like dresses, like <laughs> bridesmaids dresses and dresses to attend, like showers and weddings and stuff like that. So I've just got two different two different moods this summer. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's either in a field working, um, <laughs> cows and stuff, or dressed up. Dressed up. There's <laughs> yeah. no in between. And, and <laughs> my in between's my pajamas. <laughs> uh, All of it's good. Yeah. Well thank you guys for listening to this episode. Um, Carly and I, we just like to talk to each other. So, I mean, things can get off topic really fast. We <laughs> sorry are... if we squirreled a little bit yeah. today. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm not sorry for it. That's just who we are. <laughs> I think we, we talked about some good stuff. I so. think so, too. And, I mean, this is as real as it gets, in my opinion, because it's coming straight from two people that are going through these feelings mm -hmm. right now for the first time yeah. in a long time. And, yeah, so hopefully your summer is going well. Keep listening to us. This is the last episode you'll hear us together for a couple weeks, so don't worry. We didn't break up. <laughs> um, we we're just in different parts of Texas, like crazy different parts of Texas. Um, but, Carling, please uh, tell everyone our email. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, you know, you can always send us questions, comments, suggestions to our email at dvmloadingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can drop a comment in the comment box below, uh, and, or you can message us on our Instagram, which is DVM underscore loading underscore, uh, and we just want to hear from y'all. Yeah, everyone have a good summer. Those transitioning to that school in the, in the fall and those that recently graduated, graduated congratulations, yeah. doctors. And um, you'll hear more from us soon. Yep. Wreck them. Wreck them.